Well, hello and welcome to the Wine Access Unfiltered Podcast. We are all back from some vacations, some wine yeah, travels. Some work stuff. Yeah, we always call it work. It's always, <laughs> always work. Always work. Always work. But fun vacations as well. Fun vacations. Well, Eduardo and Lara, of course, the Wine Access team here to join me on a subject that I actually don't have a lot of experience in. So I'm Surprise. really going to lean on you guys a little bit because I know sure. you're more experienced in this department. But before we get there, I really want to talk about, yes, yeah, Spain, I'm, of course. Gonna yeah, this. you're going to yeah. you're gonna not bury the lead. We're talking <laughs> about Spain today, of course. Um, before we get there, I kind of wanted to do two things. One, I wanted to find out from you guys because you had such exciting summers what was the fa- what was the favorite? Where did you go that you're like everyone needs to go there now? It's a tough one. Uh, we did a little bit of travel this summer. Tuscany was always, you know, Italy is always fantastic. The food, the wine, just yeah. the energy of it. Also had a great little weekend trip down to Mexico City to see some music and uh who did you see by chance <laughs> was it a fellow wine lover uh, uh, yeah yeah I think so uh yeah saw Taylor Swift down in Mexico had some fantastic fantastic food great dining just a beautiful city to walk around yeah. in we've done Mexico City a few times but yeah. this was by far the best trip gastronomical speaking yeah the food the people the weather it all helped and obviously enhanced by by the show, that was the excuse. I mean, Taylor brings it up a notch, right? Uh, the whole city <laughs> was lit up. Amazing. It was for sure. Yeah. And where did you guys go in Tuscany? Because it's a, you know, it's a big place. We spent most of the time in Florence. We rented a little flat. We mm-hmm. took the kids and the moms and we went to, uh, we were like four blocks from the Duomo and just spent, you were there too. You were in, in, there, in yeah. Italy as well. Uh, I got to say, my favorite part of the trip, in spite of Florence being a culinary mecca for me and the wines and the people and everything, a stop in Torino was mm. outstanding. The Piemontese culture, the, the food, the art was pff, incredible. Yeah. And what about you? You've been on the road. I was on the road. Yeah, I went to Tuscany as well. I started, well, I started in Paris. Mm-hmm. Um, did a little World Lambrusco Day action on the Ooh. Eiffel Tower, which was wild. <laughs> what a uh, combination of things. What a combination. <laughs> wow. It was pretty cool. But yeah, so I did World Lambrusco Day with a former guest who we talked about Tuscany with, Filippo Bartolotta. And then, yeah, I made my way down to County Classico, which is amazing. This is my third time to Tuscany in the last two years. And honestly, it just gets better every time I go. I love it. The food, the culture, the people, the wines. And then I actually finished in Turkey, which I didn't, yeah, I didn't actually really post a lot about. It was sort of a personal trip thing that I wanted to do. So yeah, we spent some time in Istanbul and I have to say the food was so surprising. I mean, we forget that it's sort of, you know, it's, it's the, the middle ground between Europe and Asia. Mm -hmm. So there's such a, totally, uh, and just a great cultural influence coming from lots of different places. So yeah, the food, food was incredible in Turkey. The culture is incredible to see because you got super, super old and you've also got a little like modern twist right, as well. Yeah. So yeah, had a great time. I'm hoping to get to Mexico City next though. You have, I well, Mexico you, City. you will tie it all in because there's a lot of like Turkish and Middle Eastern yeah. culture, especially by the pastor tacos. Yes. <laughs> Doing a yes. pastor taco tour, you it'll bring you back to the Middle East yeah, for good sure. Good point. Yeah. One of the things that I, that was one of my first trips. I've been to Mexico City, it's been years, but I assumed that I would go there stupidly and just eat tacos. Right? Absolutely. You're in Mexico. But you forget that it's a it's a city. It's right? a city. There's they have lots of different cultures there. Everything. And yeah. it's just and they it's just done well and just beautiful. The architecture yeah. too is just like the the food is just brought in from all over the world and a great place to, to just walk. We had outstanding yeah. seafood, Japanese food. Yep. 
And there's also like French influence. You have some places in par with French laundry, if I if I may say so, that are right. amazing. Funny enough, Michelin Guide is coming into Mexico and launching early next year. So that'll really put a... It's about another, time. Yeah. Yeah. So get there now. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah. Well, the second thing I want to talk about, there is an article that came out talking about all the ways that consumers can sort of figure out the wine list. So it, it asked a few people, a few psalms, a few wine writers, uh, what they thought were some tips and tricks for navigating the wine list. And the answers were really interesting to me because I actually felt like, from my perspective, the one of the big misses was like, nobody said talk to the psalm. Oh, oh, no. I mean, there's a reason no. for the sum to be there. They're driving the uh, list. It's like, talk to them. They're not intimidating. Yeah. They're there yeah. to help. It's yeah. like the artist is in the room. Like, talk to the <laughs> artist. Ask a question. Oh, okay. exactly. So I, I thought, you know, no offense to the article. It's a, it's a really, and I think there's some good little piece in there. But I was curious to get your take because both of you have run wine programs mm-hmm. and worked before. What are some things that, aside from talking to the psalm, are there like tells, are there ways that you feel like when you sit down, you know how to navigate? I would also, I would firstly like to say, I think the idea of ordering the second cheapest bottle, that needs, that, that is a thing (laughs) that needs to go out of people's minds. And it 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 was brought up in the article. Oh, okay. (laughs) So thank you. Cause I was like, "Mm, that's not a thing. It's just not like if a wine is there, it's there with intention, it's priced probably in line with everything else. Never once have I thought about putting something there because it's this, it just it doesn't make any sense. Right. But yeah, when I navigate a wine list, I like to, my tell of like how they're pricing things. I've looked at something I'm familiar with and how it's priced to mm-hmm. see how fairly that is. And that kind of gives me an idea about how everything else might be, things I don't know. Mm-hmm. One thing to not do is do not pull out your phone oh, and start looking no at No wine searcher. Like, it's, no, that is be not, adventurous. Yeah, that's yeah. not um, an indication of how something is. You wouldn't look at a, steak on a menu and then start Googling how other steaks are priced in the neighborhood. That's you know, fair. there's a lot of things that go into a wine list and pricing. I like to be rocked. I mean, I look at a list mm-hmm. and if there's a producer I love and I don't have at home or maybe I do and mm-hmm. I just want to try a deeper vintage, I'll go there. But I love to try things that I've never had. Mm-hmm. But then that's where the expertise, if there's a sum in the restaurant or in the floor, ask. But to me, it's like, just go crazy. Just throw yeah. it out there. Obviously, don't break the piggy bank. I'm yeah. not, never going to spend $300 on a bottle I've never heard of, and right. nobody's there to guide. I'm really picky with champagne, for instance. Mm-hmm. And I there's a time and place for me for oxidative styles of champagne and oak. Mm-hmm. But I tend to go with like a livelier, more precise and energetic style of bubbles. Yeah. So I always rely on, on the sums. When there's a grower producer, which is a huge boom right now in the United States, of yes. brands you've never come across, they're like... Bam, everywhere. And it's fun. It's like, okay, tell me what you think of this one. I want to get acquainted with why there are four generations and why they stopped selling their fruit to mm-hmm. a big house and mm-hmm. now making their own. So those things are exciting to me. Yeah. And coming home with something like, wow, I wrote that down. I took a picture and now totally. I'm going to look for it and either try to offer it in wine access or try to have it at home. Yeah. And my other thing would be looking at by the glass. Like wherever they're by the glasses, you can get an idea about like where – the style of the restaurant's wine list kind of lives. Like if it's a lot of French wine or if it's a lot of Italian wine or a lot of local wine, you're like, okay, so that's what they're showcasing. If I'm going to look for a bottle, I'll let 
that by the glass selection kind of guide me. Like if they're very Spanish heavy, I'm gonna look at the Spanish selection they have on the list. That is always my advice. I'm so glad you brought that up because I think it's it's so obvious when you sit back and think about it. But yeah, like if the list is dominant in a particular region or a particular style, that's probably the place that you want to be. Just like, you know, if you went to an Italian restaurant and they also had sushi, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe don't order the sushi. Like, yeah, yeah, maybe exactly. if it's called like, you know, Giovanni's, <laughs> like stick with the Bolognese, right? Exactly. Um, and I, yeah, I think the same can be said with, with wine lists. And certainly you guys have worked with regionally specialized wine lists that you mm-hmm. know, like there are a few things that you will put on outside of those regions to sort of accommodate, especially right. in Napa Valley. But yeah. yeah, by and large, I mean, if distributors and producers know that like that's where your bread and butter is, that is typically where they want to showcase their wines. And so these wine programs are more likely to get better allocations, things that you can't necessarily find outside of the restaurant. That's a great so. point. For like, for instance, like your Spanish restaurants, they used to have some champagne and a little sprinkle here and there, right? Of we, always, we always kept some stuff or on hand because, yeah. you know, some sometimes an occasion calls calls for something else. But you're right. The by the glass drove what allocations I would get and by the bottle mm-hmm. and made those things more affordable, more accessible, and more available. So, um, yeah, it's a great... It's a great point. It's the whole economics behind the wine list. There yes. is, you learn so much when you become a wine buyer in a restaurant. Yes. It's a game, but it's a good game. And speaking of a game, I hope you guys are playing along with us and drinking, courtesy of the yes. Wine Access shall Unfiltered we? Wine Club. We shall. I mean, we're yeah. here for this. So if you're not playing along with us, this is uh, this is the Tempranillo from uh, Zinio, Bodega Zinio. If you are not a member of the Wine Access Unfiltered Wine Club, well, this is your cue to rectify this immediately because 2023 is about to be your year. You're going to finish strong. You're going to finish it with our very last shipment, and you're going to have a great time with it. We all select the wines. These guys are amazing at helping me find some really, really cool wines. You're a big for part it. too, and you, you yeah. tell the stories. We yeah. love that. We have a good time. So uh, when we come back, we'll be drinking this wine right here. In the meantime, hit pause. And of course, if you have a second to leave us a review in addition to signing up for the wine club, well, that's we your cage you so as well. Love that too. All right. See you guys in a second. All right. Cheers, you guys. Cheers. 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 Let's talk Salud. about, let's talk about, yeah. How do you say cheers in Spanish? Salud. 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 Which means Salud. health, right? I love it. All right. España. I have been once. It was in college. We <laughs> only made it to Barcelona. I did Beautiful. see the Sagrada Familia. Nice. Nice. Yeah. But, Check beyond, that. but beyond that, it was sangria in my glass. <laughs> okay. All right. So vineyards have not made their way into my life uh, from those parts. But I know you guys have been there at least a few times. And I've, yeah, yeah I, it's a place if you love wine, you need to be drinking Spanish wine. You, sh- you should go to Spain. It is such a mosaic of of styles, of regions, of, I mean, dialects. Like, you, it, in this small, compact space, you have so much. And they produce a lot of the world's wine, one of the largest producing countries in the world. So, like, it, you should, everyone should be drinking more Spanish wine. And it's just so affordable, so delicious. I've had the pleasure of traveling throughout Spain and doing a, a number of regions. Eduardo has been there once as well um, to a region I actually haven't been to. Yeah. And I count the days till I can go back. And Spain is not to be overlooked. It's got such a range. You right. have some champagne-style method production of mm-hmm. Cava, sparkling, which is produced pretty much throughout, to crisp whites, to a little oxidative whites, fresh, elegant wines, and then something like this that's a little more elegant. And yeah. then you go in Rivera del Duero, you have Vega Sicilia, one of the 
biggest wines of the world. So there is a range and a lot of rich history yeah. that goes into that. Well, speaking of which, there's actually one other wine in this shipment that is also from Spain, also from Rioja, mm-hmm. uh, which is another style. So it's an oxidative-ish white. It's the Monopole from Cune, oh, uh, which is topped yeah. with a little sherry. Yes. I'm sure you guys are familiar with. So uh, there are two. Spain is well represented in this shipment. If yeah, you if you want to listen to this episode with that wine, you can do so. But we're actually saving that for another episode we're going to be doing later. But, okay, so Spain, it's a, it's a country, obviously. So <laughs> lots of different styles, just like you would find in any other con- wine-producing mm-hmm. country in the world. Rioja, probably the most famous of the regions, Arriba, yeah. right? Yes. And the primary grape, say it with me. Tempranillo. 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 Named oh, for yes. its early ripening uh, characteristic. So, yeah, it's... Tempra- right? So temprano means early. Yes, we have our, means <laughs> our like, translator here. There you go. Thank little, you. <laughs> little, little early one, I think, is yes, little, early one. little early one. How cute. They're usually blends. This is nice because 100%. So you really get an understanding of like what tempranillo is. And So what is tempranillo? How would you characterize it as a grape, as a wine? It's a red grape. We'll start there. Uh, it's not the like the the most highly aromatic grape. It's you're you're really talking about something that has some richness to it, some earthiness to it. Really red fruited always. Mm-hmm. And then with the process in Rioja with aging it, it starts to take on these more earth characteristics and a little bit of the oak. It's it's heavy enough to take on some oak flavors and still still stand up. Mm-hmm. Nice tannins, tannins that will definitely serve it in a long life. Tannins that will preserve it for years and years and make it one of those those wines you can just really enjoy for decades. And yeah. we, we have to look back at the history, right? Mm-hmm. And how it all started. So Bordeaux was a huge part of Rioja, and we often forget that. Mm-hmm. So when phylloxera happened in, in France, a lot of the, the winemakers saw their, their vineyards decimated, and some of them just packed their bags, and they just headed south on the train, found this region, and there's like... There's so much knowledge already from winemaking in Bordeaux that was brought over, barrels included, mm-hmm. and they grabbed Tempranillo and they said, this is the chosen one. It's mm-hmm. like the Matrix and Neo is like, you are the chosen <laughs> one. So Tempranillo, early ripening, it was successful. It was, it was already loving the region. Mm-hmm. And then it was put in the barrel to, to take on this mm. extra layers of coats, which is pretty fascinating. I didn't know that. And yeah, the train. So where this uh, Rioja Alta, the, the main city there, Haro, the train lines literally run right into it mm. and go. those train lines went straight to Bordeaux and they were just packing up wine, taking it to France and distributing it there when, friend, when the French winemakers were, were kind of at a loss for grapes. So right in front of some of these wineries are still those train tracks. It's, it's a really cool, you know, connection. And then the American oak in Rioja comes because Spain had such a strong economic ties with the New World mm-hmm. and so wanted to support that and so brought in the American oak, which has become mm-hmm. kind of traditional. But there are a lot of wineries use a mix, which you get in the wine. It's just like it gives a little bit of the vanilla, a little bit of the dill, but there's, a, there's also French oak used. Yeah. So it is a cross-section and definitely the most famous region of Spain, but... You know, it's it's one version. Like you're saying, saying there's the there's white wine produced there. There's there's sparkling wine produced there. So, this is just uh, a tip of the iceberg. Yeah, this is a very spicy wine. Mm-hmm. I think when people think of Tempranillo, especially from Rioja, they think of like something with spiciness, something that's got a little tobacco on it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes like leather. I mean, it's definitely red fruited in the way that we would see something like a Sangiovese. Yes, but doesn't have like the tartness. Doesn't have like the crazy acidity that Sangiovese can have sometimes. And I think for me, like it's that perfect middle ground between like 
you know, you don't maybe want a full-bodied Cabernet, mm-hmm. like with all those mm-hmm. aggressive tannins, but you're not, you also want something bigger than like a Pinot or a, a Grenache or something like that. So for me, it sits right in the middle. I know there can be a lot of different styles of Rioja though. And I think one of the things we definitely have to talk about is the aging style, because unlike in places like the New World, where Reserva doesn't really doesn't mean, mean anything, anything. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in Spain and specifically in Everybody Rioja, it does actually mean something. So which one of you wants to take that? Sure. Um, so yeah, so on, on bottles of Sp- all Spanish wine, you can have different levels. You can have the Crianza, the Reserva, and the Gran Reserva. And specifically in Rioja and Ribeiro del Duero, those mean specific aging for them, mm-hmm. which is a little bit longer than you would find on any other Spanish region wine. Um, so this is so a, this is a Reserva. So this has to age fully for three years with one year in oak by law. For Crianza, which is the younger level, I should have started there, uh, it's a two years total with one year in oak. And then for Grand Reserve, it's five years total with two in oak. So one of the best things about Rioja is they give you the opportunity to buy a wine that's already been aged. Right. You know, it's not like in a, a wine region like Napa where you're buying a 2022 cab and then you have to do the work. You're like, pump the brakes on that one. <laughs> I know it was $150, but you're going to want to sit down on that. Like, these are ready to go. These right? are ready to go. They've yeah. d- they've done the work of aging it in their cellars. The wine's never moved until that, you know, for a ground reserver for five years. So they've done the work for you, which means you're getting them at, I, I think, always a premium. Um, some A lot of wineries age longer and longer, famously Lopez de Heredia. Ages for, you know, I think their current release is the 2011, 2012. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So a lot of Rioja producers do the, do the work for you, and they have these massive sellers to hold this wine, yeah. which is so cool. And I, I think we should also talk about the architecture if you ever go mm-hmm. to Rioja. Yeah, let's talk about the architecture because I haven't seen it. Yeah, to entice everyone to also go visit this region, there is like a, there's a real history of the architecture being kind of at the forefront. Some of the older wineries like Cune have – it's called Eiffel's Cellar, mm. designed by the guy that did the Eiffel That's Tower. Right. And this was produced in like the in the 1850s. So going back all that and wow. it's beautiful and there's no it's huge. And there's no there's no pillars. Mm. So it's it's ironwork that was made specifically so you could roll barrels around. That's so crazy. Isn't that crazy they were like building these things like pre electricity? Yes. That is <laughs> wild. And so this, not only were the French bringing their, you know, ideas about viticulture, but architecture yeah. and brought it into this region and built this beautiful cellar they still use today. And it's it's massive. Mm-hmm. And then you're, they're like, oh, there's zero pillars. So you can just, it's a working winery and gorgeous. Um, and then more recently, Frank Geary has come in, like done, I think it's Marcus de Riscal. Um, there's this architectural mm-hmm. wars in, uh, in the 90s and the 2000s. And some of these buildings, there's one that's like, it just looks like waves. Mm. There's one that's just like, it looks like folded metal. Like it's become a, a telltale of Rioja oh. to build these wildly like elaborate modern facilities on top of wineries that have been there for 150 years. Yeah. And so when you visit there, you're obviously going to be drinking wine, seeing yes. architecture, but we're also going to be Eating. Eating. There is some incredible food, that's for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of the, unlike other parts of the world, a lot of the wineries have their own restaurants, Mm -hmm. which are worldly acclaimed. Like in Mendoza. Like in Mendoza. Yeah. There you go. And you sit down, you try the wines, and you have this incredible 12, 14 course meal Mm -hmm. that becomes pretty much the norm. And it's outstanding. Like, Laura, what's the last one you went to in that? I was there in the springtime, which Mm -hmm. is, it's very traditional. You eat a lot of baby lamb. Okay. Super simple, grilled, and then throw some like rosemary into the into mm. the charcoal or like yes. 
that with this wine was outstanding. That was really the traditional meal that I, I ate all through Rioja and then Ribera del Duero, even Vega Cecilia. I love that they, obviously they take winemaking very seriously. We can see that with how long they're aging, they're, what they're farming. But I also love that like wine isn't so precious mm-hmm. and neither is food. Like we take them seriously, mm-hmm. but it's yeah. like, just drink the wine and eat the food. Like it's meant to be enjoyed and savored, but not like, you know, you're not doing this. I mean, unless you're going no, to these 14 course yeah. meals. But like, I I, th- I found that in Mendoza too. Like, you know, everything is taken very seriously. It's not like they're just thrown by the wayside. But I think it's, to me, that's like my favorite accessible. way. It's accessible. Yeah. Yeah. It's not fussy and meant to be enjoyed. And all of that work, especially in Spain where they put, you know, a v- Vegas Sicilia, they put 10 years of time and effort into this bottle of wine. Yeah. And then they open it, and it's meant to be savored and enjoyed and, and with friends, with people, with great food. It's it's the reward of all of that time, all that patience, 150 years of know-how is meant to be, cele- be celebrated. The thing about having the Crianza Reserva and Gran Reserva yeah. is that True. Crianza could be your movie night. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. you just grab it, you just grab some tapas, some, something fun and crazy, where the Gran Reserva takes the time and plays, and you open it, the canter for two hours yeah. and such, and... Yeah, I mean, but this wine, what's in this glass, I, I love that it has so many layers. It starts opening up as we go back to it. It's like watching the good, bad, and the ugly, or like <laughs> Cinema Paradiso, and it's just unveiling a plot. Yeah. Eduardo always was the best sure. metaphor. Sure, <laughs> yeah. We're just peeling it's back fun. the layers, It's huh? intriguing. You're just sitting there always like, what's Clint Eastwood going to do? <laughs> like, so this this is a musky, elegant. It's just taking the, the layers. Yeah. But it ha- even in the 15 minutes or so since we've opened it, mm, it has. I, so I love that you said like leather and this like red fruit. I, I think that's totally in there. And gari, like herbs and things like that. And yeah. All right. So that's Rioja. Yeah. In a five-minute nutshell. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And yeah, and as we move around the country, you have uh, Galicia. Did I say that okay? Galicia. Galicia. Uh, To the northwest, which is like, which is um, home of Albarino, right? Those crisp white wines. And it's got that, it's influenced by the Atlantic. I mean, you got to remember, like, Spain has water on on most of its sides. Mm -hmm. And they influence it differently. So you get these different styles of wine. And different people, I think, Galicia, like, they are... Gaelic, right? So they come from Ireland, Scotland, like that's where those people come from. And you go over to Penendez or you go into Catalonia and it's a totally different, different language, different type of people, different wine tradition. Those that came over, you know, more on the Mediterranean side. So you have this all sorts of all sorts of mesh mesh of things um, as you travel around. And then, I mean, if we if we were going to go down south. Talk about sherry. Absolutely. And, ah, and, sherry, and the influence, yeah. you know, of... Valencia, the paella, and the wines that go with it, like Bobal and such. I, I love looking at a country uh, from a culinary perspective. Like, yeah. what are you eating? That's how your wines are <laughs> Eduardo's hungry. Let's I'm just... so hungry. I'm just <laughs> Sorry, making myself Eduardo. hungry. But Galicia, for instance, shellfish and a lot of seafood, right? So the wines like Mencia and like Albariño give that saltiness kind of like, almost like Campania does to like the Positano area. Mm-hmm. Uh, Naples, but and then as you go down, like paella is from Valencia, right? Mm-hmm. So you have this wealth of like either meaty, savory, poultry, uh, animal paellas or, mm-hmm. or shellfish in bulk. Sausage and, and the rabbit, wines yeah. kind of like enhance that. They're not fighting. You're not making a. Yeah. And Rioja tying it all back is like, yeah, you have a lot of lamb, a lot of uh, cow, a lot of beef and things like that. Yeah. Throw them in the like Mendoza kind of Mendoza kind of yeah. uh, component, and the wines. 
adhere to that. Yeah. They're there to lift it. It's pretty pretty fascinating when you look and at And I Spain. think we've we've talked about chocolate. And that's like yes. another thing yes. Ooh, all, in, all into and itself. And yes. the beautiful area where that's from. And it, I think they filmed some of Game of Thrones out there. Mm-hmm. Like it's very like it's it's a very dramatic coastline. And those wines are so unique. Like I don't yeah. think there's anything in the world that really does like taste like that. I mean, they're just very unique wines. So. Yeah. Isn't it? I mean, we have in the span of like 15 minutes talked about like seriously, like wildly different styles oh, and completely. grapes and like. It, I mean, it's pretty impressive, like, the amount that Spain can pull in. Because we're also talking about different climates, different terroirs, mm-hmm. different mm-hmm. cultures, even within, you know, the same country. Should I even add, like, do you have a favorite? I mean, I think, like, the culinary the, the culinary ingenuity of Catalonia, because that's where El Bulli is mm-hmm. or was. Mm-hmm. I mean, so yeah. that True. tradition, that changed how we eat around the world with, like, right. them. Mm-hmm. So that, to me, is an exciting place culinarily. I think for wines, like what I love to do, I like the cooler wines of Rias Baixas. I like mm. the, the Mentheas that you get over there. But, I, you know, an old bottle of Rioja to me feels like a gift. I mean, you can get them with like, you can get them with 20 years of age on them. They're so good. And you, yeah. can, you, can, you can afford to open two of them. <laughs> I like where your head's at. Um, and I love sherry. I do. I, I am a fan Sherry's of sherry. Sherry is definitely yeah. a fantastic. So, I like that. Is that a favorite? Did I mention four? But um, <laughs> to me, like a lot of priorat, it's over, often oh. overlooked, but the wines have so much consequence yes. yeah. and presence. And then, depending in this area where you have the sparkling wines, yeah. Scarello, uh, Parelada, all this Chardonnay uh, traditional method of, mm-hmm. of champagne uh, style production. Those are beautiful, and the people are great. And then, not to veer off from wine, but then you have Asturias and ciders and all these yes. different. Oh, how do you talk about the Basque region ciders? Oh, oh man, yeah. I mean, Those. this is this is a country that knows how to drink. I know. Why did we and, do a podcast did, on an entire country? Did they country? invent the gin and tonic? Because they certainly drink like they invented the gin oh, yeah. and tonic. And you can do a six-hour lunch, and then move into tapas, <laughs> have some gin and tonics, and then move to dinner. And it's impressive. basically you eat and drink. Last time I was in Barcelona, it's a, I, I went to a place because I was starving right off the airplane. And they're like, no, we open at 9 p.m. I'm like, oh, wait, it's it. 7. It was like, come on. Yeah. And yeah, you start at 9 p.m. and you go till 1 in the morning eating. And that's just early. Right. Which I love that part of the yes, culture. Yeah. Be warned, if you are going to Spain, you will not be fed dinner until close to midnight yeah that's that's when it starts so just like prepare yourself that's why the tapas and tapas mm-hmm. don't count as food the tapas are just to, to like you. fuel it's you a vehicle to keep drinking yes exactly. it's to fuel you through the drinks and and that that's all they are and yeah what a what a great place to eat and drink just where do we wealth. stand on sangria time and place you know growing <laughs> up for me my whole family used to go to the beach, uh-huh. right? So it'd be sometimes eight of us. We'd take over a hotel or two, like boutique hotels. Uh-huh. And my grandpa would get all this, usually Riojas and Tempranillos and all these like base level Crianza wines, right? Put them into a the massive thermos. We would be there for a week, the whole family, and we would take turns cooking and stuff. I was a kid, right? But my grandpa put this thermos and put all this fruit and everything and not that he was Spanish, but he loved that part of the culture. Yeah. And the thermos was there, the sangria, for anybody to go and, and put, just pour a little bit. 
us, we were like eight years old, and we're Little like, "Little baby oh, Eduardo is like, Jesus. <laughs> that's how we got to start." And in, you in start wine. stumbling and just falling all over the place. But that to me was a beautiful part of the culture that it's there. You put the ice, yeah. you put a little bit of Sprite sometimes, but mix it up, yeah. and yeah, it's it's a beautiful thing. Gets things going. It's not to be taken serious or be decredited. Yeah, I think sangria is fun, and I think if you add, you know, some like nice quality or like you know brandy brandy and it's a little yeah. bit more alcohol <laughs> i feel like it needs to be fortified a little bit but yeah if it's made right it's a great drink and yeah I, yeah I what else say do you... it's making a comeback in the mixology world yeah i I'm, would I'm not drink it out of a can i feel like oh, you need i feel like yeah, you need no. to make it i mm-hmm. feel like part of sangria the love of it is Family recipes. Is doing it. Yeah. Is like getting everyone kind of involved and you peel the oranges and you grab this and yeah. oh, we have an extra apple on the counter, throw that in. Like that's that's Last the year beauty. for 4th of July, I made a sangria, I don't know if you remember, with sake. I don't remember. It was red so wine, I but I had a little bit of sake of in there. Because it was like, cool, let's just add yeah. this and that and all this citrus and stuff. I had a little yuzu. And after that party, everybody texted me like, oh, what's the recipe? So I'm like. I, I don't remember exactly you what was in there. Clean out your fridge. Oh, that sounds really <laughs> clean good. Clean out your fridge. And if you have sake, that's a little kiss of fun in there. I love that. I made it with port recently. Ooh. Yeah. Yes. So if you just need like a single serving of. Oh. Yeah. Ruby. Did you let it sit for a little while? Tell no, us. No, because, I mean, port is already fortified. True. Mm-hmm. So there's already a little brandy in there. There's already sugar, so natural sugar. So you yeah. don't need to make it any sweeter. Okay. So that with like a little ginger beer, I hit a club soda and a touch of orange juice and then whatever fruit. Money. Over you ice. You need to patent that drink. I know. Yeah. Somebody else <laughs> came up with it. But. Oof. But like I made it for my mom over the summer and she was like, this is amazing. So over ice? You drank yeah. it over ice? Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah, over yeah. Ice. Okay. Definitely over ice. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Do you drink sangria without I, ice? No, I think you have to have Who it does? with ice. No. You have no. to yeah, be a savage. Right? Yeah. <laughs> definitely. Definitely no ice. You need ice. Uh, yeah. So let's go back to this wine because this is, again, Evolving. changing. Obviously, we talked about food pairings. But in terms of like I love, I love that we've talked about that they've already aged on your behalf. But do you feel like – this is a wine that could age even longer. Yeah, um, would that 10, be beneficial? 20 years, no problem. So yeah. we recently featured a 1976 Rioja, and a 78, I believe, as well. Side by side, we tasted them with the tasting panel. It was incredible. Mm. These wines were uh, topped off by the winery before releasing recently, like mm-hmm. three years ago. But these are wines that stand testament of time. Yeah. Like you look at a 2001 Rioja on a, on a list on a Spanish restaurant. You lay your hat there because that's at a very happy place. There is definitely upwards and upwards. And even 80s, 90s, I would never overlook a, a, a Rioja with age. Do, would you be concerned if it were a Crianza versus a Reserva? I think Reserva tends to age a little more because think about it. If you're aging a wine that doesn't have the time in oak, right. it's a little fresher. And perhaps the structure, the tannin, the firm tannin and and, and complexity to it mm-hmm. might not be there so it's a little primal it's still gonna be fun but it's gonna be a little more like one trick pony mm-hmm. where if you're tasting an age reserva or grand reserva you have a little more complexity i think this definitely has a capacity age i think there's uh i think sometimes it depends on the producer and sometimes these producers now at this point aren't putting any age you know reserve any level designation on their bottles to be a little bit you know just that they make their wine and not a, a certain style um, so it's knowing your producers, but I really think it's really like with a Crianza bottle, sometimes you do just pack it away and just see it for, you know, 15, 20 bucks. You throw it in yeah. the back of your cellar 
and you open it up in a few years and you can be blown away. Like yeah. I think it's a low cost investment on a wine that has a high return on enjoyment. Like the possibility. Totally. So and what's the worst that could happen? Throw it in a sangria. You throw it in a sangria. <laughs> yeah. and, you know, so I, I really, I, the grapes always have a tendency to age well. So yes, the higher up the ladder, the longer you, longer life shelf you typically have. But some great crayons out there that can age. Yeah. I think it speaks to like, you know, we talk a lot about the wine doesn't necessarily have to be expensive to age. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right. Same. I mean, most of the wines in Napa are expensive now, but <laughs> you know, you don't have to just put away your single vineyard or your, you know, your tattoo phase, like the regular wines that you're getting from Napa, like the regular Cabernets, like they are age worthy. I mean, we've seen this mm-hmm. how many times with some of those bottlings from like mm-hmm. the sixties and seventies that were not necessarily like the big fancy bottlings. Yep. It was just the standard stuff and it, it does incredibly well. If you had never been to Spain before and you were going for the first time to go wine tasting, would it be Rioja that you would go to? Absolutely. Yeah. I would say Rioja or Rivera del Duero, land in Madrid, and then head over there. Uh, just get acquainted with the culture. Mm-hmm. I mean, even if you only have three, four days to explore, I think that's where I lay my hat. I wouldn't I wouldn't go I, anywhere. Yeah, I agree. I think Rioja, you know, it just tells the story of the of of viticulture so well, and they do great hospitality. I would start there. It's like if you go to the U.S., you would go to Napa probably, right? Yeah. So same thing. It's okay. like that idea of like encapsulates elegance, uh, a little more of an established area mm-hmm. with more terroir and things like that. Past that, yeah, you can explore and, and visit little. And I think if you like European wine, if you like Italian wine, this is a great place to start drinking mm. Spanish wine. If you love Napa Valley, you like that that bigger style, I think Priorat is a great place to start drinking Spain. I love that. That's great, great advice. Yeah, like what are those gateway wines to get you from the new world to the old world? And like, you know, yeah. Rioja sort of mm. is that bridge. Right. It's, it's like Brunello. It's like a, yeah. yeah. Right. Like, yeah, I like that, that comparison. A great pasta wine, but can go with a steak. And I think if you like, you know, Pinot or Syrah, I think Mencia is a cool grape to check out. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this would be like if you love old world wines, this would be a great place to start. If you love new world wines, check out Priorat. Absolutely. Flashy, elegant, fruit. French yeah. oak. Yeah. Yeah. Licorice. And really. don't don't sleep on kava. No. Oh, if if I had one piece of advice for like it's uh, sunscreen. <laughs> for like a <laughs> wedding or a party or you know, you want to do sparkling wine, do kava. They have to eat, they have to make it like champagne. You can get great values. Mm-hmm. Like I think Cava is like bang for your buck for for sparkling wine. What's the one you always stand behind and got me into Gramona? Gramona. Yeah. Yeah. That's I mean, then you can you can really go up and up and up. And actually, they have the same ratings. They have, you know, they don't call them Crianza. They have Reserva, Gran Reserva, and it has to do with the aging mm-hmm. on the lees. So if you like, if, or if you don't like those really oxidative styles of champagne, stay away from a Gran Reserva or like that kind of yeah. long aging. So it. They, they help you out on the bottle, but yeah, what a great value. Yeah. Once upon a time, you guys had one. It was like the Messias Salah or something. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's like, is... It was like $12. Yeah. What a Get great Get it by the case. Have people buy. over. Make mimosas. You wouldn't feel bad about it. No. And everybody's happy. Yeah. Like, and they, yeah, they they took their, they their sparkling wine know-how comes from champagne. That's how Spain ended up making wine. And then they they took their own twist on it. They invented the yeah. gyro palette. Mm-hmm. Oh, the thing fun. that automates riddling. And so that's one thing that brings the cost down. And um, so that was kind of their contribution to the the sparkling wine world. All right. Besides eating and drinking, 
Uh, any other recommendations in terms of like, I mean, do you go see a football game while you're there? Oh man, like, <laughs> do you? Yes, and yeah. that's where the kind of teach you up for that one. Yeah, rivalries come in the house. Okay, whether you're gonna go see a Real Madrid game or Barcelona or <laughs> Atlético de Madrid and all this. I mean, going to a game in Spain. Yeah, it is just as amazing as seeing you know, a game in in, in London yeah. or uh, or in Italy. Yeah. Like the intensity, the rivalries, the excitement whether you know have no clue about what's going on in the field yeah you're a first timer if you can lock in a ticket you can bathe in the excitement it's like seeing taylor swift for me i was not into <laughs> it and once i was there i'm like holy crap i'm yeah. behind this same thing with a soccer game but also great hiking great uh yeah, sightseeing great clubs if you have a yeah yes oh, true barcelona yeah. um if you have like a, a month or two uh, you can do the Camino de Santiago, Ooh. Oh, the, the which is the walk, yeah. which is the famous pilgrimage that, you know, you can start actually in France, cross the Pyrenees and go all the way to the ocean. Meditate. Really get your steps really in. Really get your steps, steps in. <laughs> um, and it I, it used to be a religious, you know, experience mm-hmm. and you go from from church to church and now it's and now people do it just to like yeah. reconnect with themselves or just cross it off the bucket list. When I was in Spain, I did see people doing this walk with their backpacks on and yeah. um, it's that to me would be a bucket list thing. Yeah, so. I, had a, I had a similarly that worked for me that like talked about it all the time that she did the the Camino and she had the best stories from mm-hmm. it. You yeah. meet so, people, you yeah. You, you know, that's one that I had never really considered up until this moment. But maybe that's like you know. <laughs> it touches through the top of Rio. Yeah, huh? then you don't feel so bad about eating and drinking. You all can the eat time. and drink your way so. and just still feel yeah, still feel really good. And you go through some amazing wine regions and there's something about like a, a scallop shell and and you, you collect things. Oh. There's the whole whole culture to it. So and there's another one not to be overseen that you can talk about, Laura. The Feria de Jerez. Yes. Oof. So down in Jerez. In the spring, there is a... Which is where Sherry is. Where Sherry is, yes. So um, there's a, a ferrier fair, and all of the biggest, the bodegas of all of Jerez come and parties, and it's a it's kind of like a, like also horse show. There's They're big into the equestrian culture down there, and you Flamenco wear... Flamenco shows. I yes. mean, the music, the excitement. And it's just the, a constant oof. party. It's a party for about a week. Like um, carnival, yes. Yeah. Okay. And I got to go one year. Um, a little more PG than carnival. She, if you're yeah. not watching this right now, Laura's face is like <laughs> I she did, has a lot of I, secrets. I, I did go, <laughs> and to make us feel welcome, and part of it, they gave us. They actually gave us the dress, the traditional dress, like the whole Fitted floral the whole thing. thing with the tassels, and it was so much fun. Everyone's in everyone's in these dresses. Everyone mm. is dressed up. The men are in in suits, and it's like. Another world, and that is if you can be down in Jerez in the spring, it is a. I'm there. You will you will learn to love. I mean, cherries poured everywhere, and then it, it's just a party. It's it's unbelievable. And the other one is Pamplona. You can go really do the run of the bulls if you oh, feel adventurous I'm... to the next level. <laughs> I hey, said, come let's, back let's home do like a long hike. Side. You want to run with the bulls. <laughs> yes, why not? It's like, you got to do it once. And the tomato, if you make it back, you're good. I'm trying to drink, not yes. die, okay? There's what? also a tomato, I believe it's Valencia, and, and it's the Where world that tomatoes smash just tomatoes at each loads. other. Yes. And in real how they do one with wine, I think at the end of harvest, where they pour wine all over. Like, what? There's all. They yeah. drink, they celebrate. I, it's we gotta go. What a culture! We need to do an, a podcast episode there. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Rioja part you two. That? You hear that? Bean counters. <laughs> <laughs> Joe of the fishes. <laughs> this is what's happening. Yeah. People have spoken. Speaking of which, would you do us the honors of 
pronouncing this beautiful bottle's yes. name at the very end of the episode. Yes. So, Thinio. So, just remember when you're saying the, the C or an S mm -hmm. or a Z, you're, you're saying it with a lisp. Okay. Like Thursday, right? Okay. So, Thinio, Reserva, Rioja. You do oh. it like... Rioja. It kind of goes like the Rioja. Uh, and it's a denominación de origen, de origen calificada, which means it's the, uh, the similar to the Italian DOCG, denominación de origen controlata. Mm -hmm. So you're, it's a, the stamp from the government, government material. And of which there's only two that are in that top category. We're yes. like it's Italy, there's, I think, 85 DOCGs. Right. Let me count. No. Uh, there's only two of the, at that level in Spain, and it's Rioja and Priorat. Yes. Okay. And it's um, patrocinio, which means like uh, owned by or, okay. or patronized, if you will, and terrazinios. Yeah. So that's, that's pretty much it. Uh, Women-run winery. Just like that. Yes. Delicious wine. And what a cool packaging. It's one you'll remember for sure. Definitely. Yes, we love the yellow label. Um, if you want a little bit more tasting note, I did the tasting video for this, so I will link it on all the places. Super reasonably priced, uh, but a wine that can age and is delic delicious, delicious, delicious right now. Oh. And continues to change. Yeah, so definitely going. like, <laughs> no, I don't think there's any need to decant this. I think this is a wine that is evolving at a rate that will be gorgeous just right out of your totally. glass. As always, get a little bit of a chill on this wine, you know, to really sort of bring out some of the aromatics, but keep those like pokey alcohol things down a, a touch. Mm -hmm. And then make sure you're eating because... Yes. Yeah. If you're not hungry by the end of this episode. Yeah, I don't know. You weren't listening. <laughs> yes, indeed. You definitely listened to it too fast and you were distracted. So thank you guys so much. What thank a fun you. one. Thanks yeah. for the invite. Thank you Thanks very for taking much. us on the trip through uh, Spain. Yeah. yeah. A little yeah. love letter to Spain. We uh, love that. For those of you who were listening to this episode that want to be drinking with us, this is once again, your reminder to join the Wine Access Unfiltered Podcast you Wine Club. You won't be disappointed. Sure won't. Uh, we, we send it out every other month. It's got four bottles in it. Every bottle corresponds with an episode just like this one. And we have a lot of fun with it. So cool. Great, you guys. Cheers. Salud. 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 Um, thanks for bringing it full circle. Always appreciate that. Salud. Salud.